Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. A very central character of the multiverse blues is Hope, the Delphine diva from another dimension. In this, the spring of 2021, I'm starting to regain a feeling of hope. My home has been finally restored after the October sewage disaster. The lovely weather invites me to venture outside these four walls and see the wider world. I even have my first COVID vaccination scheduled for the end of the month. It almost seems symbolic that a book that I poured my fear, frustration, and even anger into in the fall is now in my hands and is being read by other people. It's like I can let all that horror go, fluttering away on the winds. Transwitch College of Secrets is what happens when I take unmanageable emotions and forge them into something positive. If you get a chance to pick up a copy from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, I want you to get that feeling of hope and release as you read it. This week on the Multiverse Blues, Jules and the crew of Hope's tour make bold plans to get from the world of League across the neighboring dimension of Arn to end up at their destination, aired Harlan's steampunk homeworld. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 22, Terraplane Blues There's just one problem with my plan, I said. We need to go through an arch portal to get from League to Arn. One problem, cried Babs. Chica, I can think of a bunch of problems. How are we going to bust a captive Tristillian out of the arch facility? How do we even know where they're kept? After you freed Coral and Delta, they're going to be watching for just such a stunt, aren't they? Hope sang soothing words. Let us work on one problem at a time, and we will figure it out. Dribbler sat down next to me, baby Lucy in his arms. Jules, you probably don't know it, but we can travel kind of incognito. La Esperanza has smart paint from Alpha Earth that lets us change its appearance. And Marcy has connections, don't you, Ms. Davenport? Marcy grinned. That I do. I'll go up front to have Zamboni change the exterior to look like a tourist bus, and I'll see what strings I can pull. Babs put her hands upon her hips. So what about the other big problem? I shrugged. That depends. What do we know about Arn's arch authority? Do they have a jewels of their own? Babs, Dribbler, and Hope all exchanged blank looks and shook their heads. Hope sang, We really don't know. I have not heard such. But I did not know about Delta Jewels either. Your doubles do seem to be at the center of things, my love, so I would not doubt it. We are no longer in the realm of Earths, though, so your double here might not be as much like you as the ones you've met so far. There might not be a Jules analog here at all. Dribbler spoke up. There's a Jules and a Dion in Aird, and that's even further than League or Arn from the Earths. Hope smiled. Yes, we are still not very far away, which is why I would not be surprised to find another Jules there. I sighed. But would they be an ally? Delta Jules is pretty sketchy, and Aired Jules has been downright nasty. No one can know that, love, sang Hope, but either way, it might buy you a way into the arch. I shook my head. I get that, but without a virtual map like Delta Jules gave me, I won't know where to go. Hope touched her snout with her hand. Perhaps not, she sang, but I might. I believe I might be able to sense one of my kind if I were close to them. So are we having the concert before or after the rescue attempt? asked Babs. 
Hope grinned. We'll have them at the same time. I laughed. Come on. How can we have a show if you're helping find another Tristellian elsewhere? She touched my hand with hers and looked into my eyes. May I share myself with you? Will you share yourself with me, Jules? Not knowing what she meant, I decided to trust her and nodded. The room blurred, like having my eyes crossed. In one split view of the room, I saw Hope and Bab standing behind her. In the other, I saw myself, eyes wide, with Dribbler and Lucy nearby. Colors seemed muted, but I could tell exactly how far away everything in the room was, a sort of mapping superimposed upon what I could see. If I focused harder on Hope's view of the world, I realized the map refreshed every few seconds and depended on sounds she made outside my hearing range. This must be what echolocation feels like. Lucy, in particular, stood out in sharp detail. I decided it must be due to her own ultra-high-pitched pings of echolocation. It had the eerie effect of making the humans in the room seem just a little less real. Inside my head, Hope's voice sang, now you see and hear what I do, and I experience the world as you. In reply, I directed thoughts at her. I didn't know you could do this. She grinned. There is much about each other that remains to be discovered. Out loud, she sang, Jules and I are linked. Oh, said Babs, you mean like that one time with me? Hope nodded, making me feel strange as I both watched her do it and felt her doing it. Yes. We are not one and the same, but we share our perceptions and surface thoughts. If we were on Delta, this same thing could be accomplished with cross-feeds on specs. But it is an innate thing my people can do, sharing our realities. I spoke, a little unnerved by hearing my voice from my own ears and also from Hope's. Huh, how long can you keep this up, and what limits does it have? Hope let go of my hand, and my perceptions snapped back into my head. My senses no longer split. She sang, We may stay linked for a little over an hour, so long as both of us may spare some attention for the link. Once the link is broken, we would have to touch again to reestablish it. You will find that it is tiring to maintain. But I believe that in this way, I may be with you even as I perform. I stared at her a long moment. Hope, what's the plan? Will I infiltrate alone? Hope shook her head. No, Babs at least should go with you. Dribbler perked up. Me too, right? They might need my help. No, dear Dribbler, I will need you with me, especially if our Harlan is still recovering. We will be spread thin. Marcy is going to have to be the entire crew. Lucy will need to stay on La Esperanza with Zamboni for safety. I frowned. How will the two of you perform without Babs? Hope grinned. Babs sighed and laughed. I filled in the blank for myself. Gotcha. The show must go on, right? Yes, Jules. It will be billed as an unplugged show. We will figure out the details once we are safely on Arn. Babs snorted. Safely. Those people stopped an invasion dead. They're ruthless. Dribbler laughed. Maybe, but Aird burned Arn's Baltimore to the ground before the Arch Authority managed to close the gate. It was a massacre, Harlan growled as he descended the spiral steps, one at a time. Arn people seem civilized, but they'll fight like savages if you push them. Doubt Dixie could have taken them over even if they'd kept the lines open. We just didn't know what we got ourselves into. 
Guess it seemed like a good idea to someone higher up at the time. Like as not, someone high up enough to sit at a desk back in Richmond, maybe. They didn't want to spare me, but they got rules, and savage or no, when a man lays down his arms and surrenders, well, I'm here today anyway. Can't say I want to go back to visit, but you know me, crazy plan or no, I'm in. Harlan clung to the rail of the stair as he stood at the bottom, and I couldn't tell you whether his face held a grin or a grimace. I marveled at him being upright only days after losing most of his arm. I leaped from my seat to help him, but he waved me off with a stubborn grunt. Jasmine slunk down the stairs and rubbed against Harlan's legs. The cat's eyes were huge, and she held her ears flat out to either side. No, Harlan, dear, sang Hope. You have much healing to do. You should be in your cabin. I can't just sit by, he protested. I'll work the sound and lights, since you're sending jewels off on another damn fool errand. I smiled. Seems that's playing to my strengths. He looked at me in the eye and pressed his lips into a flat line. Good to see you in one piece. Thought we lost you. I wish I could say the same for you. I'm really sorry. Harlan snarled. Don't you dare finish that sentence. You did what I told you to do, and you got ambushed. I don't know what that other Jules was up to, but my gut says it weren't nothing good. I figure you saved us from something nastier. But Telto Jules was working with the Dion's. They're supposed to be on our side. Why did they attack me? Harlan grunted. You think I know? I'm as flummoxed as anyone about that. Hope interrupted us. I do not believe you're healed enough to be up and around, Harlan. The glint in Harlan's eyes told me as much as the note of desperation in his voice. Ma'am, with all due respect, your high-tech healing disc has me patched up good enough for now. I'm not going to be a hundred percent, but I gotta help out somehow. Please. The two of them stared at each other for a long moment. Too long. The tension in the cabin stretched to breaking. I had to do something. Harlan, I said, pulling out the portal gun. This is from your world. It creates very temporary portals. Do you know enough about aired tech to get it working again? It would come in handy for our, our rescue attempt. Harlan harumphed. I don't know nothing about portal technology. I held it out toward him. I don't think it's broken. I think it's just out of juice. Think you could figure out how to charge it? The stage manager didn't hesitate. He took two steps toward me and took the portal gun and grasped it in his hand like a weapon, sighting down the fluted barrel, muzzle aimed at the floor. Maybe. If it's got one of them Sutton batteries, maybe something could charge her up. I'll see what I can do. Thanks. Hope took a step toward Harlan, then stopped. She watched him a moment, then caught my gaze in hers, eyes smoldering with something fierce but secret. She sang, If you must... Marcy burst in the room. We're a league tourist excursion. Hope you need to make the baby and yourself scarce in case we get searched. Everyone else, get ready. We're headed for the arch portal to Arn. Oh my God, Harlan, you're up. Harlan scrunched his face into a skull and set the portal gun down on a seat and rummaged around in the overhead compartment, coming up with a toolbox. As he placed it next to the portal gun, I noticed his face turning deeper and deeper red, a glimmer of wetness filling the weathered wrinkles around his eyes. I lowered my voice so that only Harlan could hear. You know, it's okay to ask for help. He wouldn't meet my eyes. Maybe for you. Maybe on a good day. But not today. I got a soldier on. It's important. But I appreciate what you already done for me, understand? 
I drew breath and said in as soft a tone as I could, Okay, just don't soldier on past your limits. No matter what Hope says, we're going to need everyone to pull this off. Understand? He grunted, but his head bobbed in a barely perceptible nod. He sifted through the contents of the toolbox, pulling out a meter, a soldering iron, and some electrical tape. Jasmine bumped up against my shins and chittered at me. I reached down and scritched her between the ears, murmuring, What's up, girl? The cat nipped my hand and then leaped up on a seat and pawed at the window. I peered out to see what she wanted. Outside, the orderly lights of the nighttime city flowed past and all seemed well. But then I noticed a blue flashing light illuminating the buildings and vehicles we passed. It reminded me of a strobe light. But why would there be a strobe following us? And why would it be getting brighter? It was like... I called out toward the driver's compartment. Zamboni! I think we've got someone on our tail. The robot's voice crackled and buzzed over the main cabin intercom. Arch authority, vehicles closing in, awaiting orders. Marcy turned and threw herself into the driver's compartment, and I could hear her shouting at Zamboni. Dribbler dashed toward the rear of the bus, past the kitchenette, and on into the cargo area. Hope's feet disappeared up the stairs to the bunk compartments. Harlan remained hunched over the portal gun, prodding it with the probes of the meter, face twisted into a pained scowl. Lost in indecision, I asked him, Harlan, what should I do? He raised his eyes to meet mine. Better decide who you are, kiddo, then get ready to bullshit, because if they board us, you're going to have to think fast. Not knowing what to do with Harlan's advice, I rushed up to join Marcy and Zamboni in the forward compartment. How close are we to the arch? Marcy started to answer, but Zamboni interrupted. We are 782 meters from the arch gate. Floor it, Zamboni, I said, gripping the back of Marcy's chair. Zamboni complied before Marcy could object. The bus thrashed from side to side, dodging around other cars and trucks with inhuman precision. Streetlights and the signs upon buildings flashed past, and my breath left me as we scraped past traffic as though we were in the middle of some very important, very dangerous video game. Sirens wailed behind us, strobing blue lights reflecting off of every surface surrounding La Esperanza in her mad flight through the city. Marcy and I screamed in harmony as Zamboni piloted the massive bus into oncoming traffic and across the well-lit flag-bedecked courtyard in front of the stone and glass structure of the Arch Authority building. A couple dozen people scattered out of our path as we barreled toward the gaping, silvery maw of the arch gate. Our reflection rushed toward us at a mad, impossible rate, and I swear I saw my own saucer eyes in the window just before we plunged into the space between the worlds. Except something went very wrong. Instead of the swirling colors and surreality of the between space, we emerged in an instant on the other side of the arch, blue lights still flashing all around us, accompanied by the wail of sirens. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at at ECGarrison on Twitter, ECrisGarrison on Facebook, 
or drop me an email at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.